five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was uh, Elastica. Sorry for the uh, little glitchy start there. You know, life is funny. I've got a new little thing that I got to watch out for, which is apparently <laughs> when I have the when I have the like the video. What's going on in my face here? I got a monkeypox. I might have the monkeypox virus. Um, so, okay. With the, with the, with the video that leads into the show, I think now what happens is that like it's live and before it wasn't live. Like I couldn't hear anything from the live broadcast. Now I can so when I start a video, because there's a delay in the signal, um, I'm hearing the video that I'm playing now through the live broadcast, which is why I had to stop that. Because first of all, I like that song and I want to hear it. Um, second of all, it fucking bugs me. So it's just another thing that I have to factor in while we get this, uh, get this together. How is everybody? What's happening? Uh, you're back here for another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. I'm Robert Phoenix. If you're listening on the podcast, thanks for doing that. I try to get these up on the website and into the uh, podcast network as quickly as possible, usually after the show airs, if I can do it. Sometimes I get sidetracked or I have something else to do, in which case it usually happens later on today. I got the Nick Fury background today, back when Nick Fury was white. before he became Samuel Jackson. Apparently there's some reasons in the Marvel universe why Nick Fury went from being uh, a white guy with graying temples and a patch to Samuel Jackson, a black guy with a, with a patch. I don't know what the reason is, but I'm sure it's well justified in the MCU. Uh, that, that was Elastica and... Um, you know, every now and then I'll kind of go on a little bit of a bender with bands. And that was a band that was around in the early 90s. And I used to, they were in 94, 95. And, you know, I would hear their music on the radio every now and then. That was, I, I, I like Britpop. I like that Britpop, Madchester, shoegaze kind of sound. It, to me, it was more interesting than what was going on with grunge and post-grunge and kind of indie American rock. I was not really into it at that time. And so those bands were, they were interesting. Like Ride and um, the Charlatans UK and Stone Roses and uh, 
suede. Those, those they were interesting groups. The Manor Street Preachers in Spiral Carpets. I could go on. Um, everybody loved this band called The Laws. I didn't really get The Laws. I know they had the big hit. You know, The Laws were like lionized by all these like Manchester groups. But Lassica, that that album from that that song is on went to a million sales faster than any record in English music history, including the Beatles. That's how popular that record was. And you can see why it's those songs are really good. I played uh, the other track from Elastica yesterday, their other, which was the, the, the really big hit from the record, but that stutter was also uh, a big single over in England. I think they shot that video in San Francisco at, uh, I think, North Beach. Pretty sure it was North Beach. I recognize some of those locales. Uh, but just a just a banger tune. They put out, I think they put out two records, kind of broke up, kind of reformed. Uh, the lead singer, Justine Frischman, who I personally think is kind of hot, um, she, uh, she wound up eventually just... Dr- okay, so she winds up producing... This artist from, I think she's from Malaysia. Her name is MIA. And you are probably familiar with her from her uh, less than stellar performance with Madonna during the Super Bowl. But the first record that MIA put out, I think it has Paper Planes on it, which was her big hit, is actually produced by Justine Frischman. Like she was a friend of hers. So she helped launch MIA's career. And the first record, the first MIA record is really good. Like there wasn't anything like it at that time. And then uh, apparently Justine Frischman winds up going to uh, Boulder, Colorado, drops out of music and um, studies art at the Naropa Institute and becomes a fairly acclaimed painter, you know, like canvas and everything. And uh, I think she lives in the United States and she married a meteorologist. So she married a weatherman. How radical is that? Get it? Radical weatherman. Speaking of weathermen, we probably, we didn't really talk about this, but Chesa Boudin, who basically stole uh, the um, DA's position. That, that was the position that Kamala Harris had in San Francisco. It's a very important position. If you become the district attorney of San Francisco, it's a launching pad basically to become the attorney general of the state of California. Cause that's how, that's how Harris uh, catapulted from being, she was like the DA in Oakland. We chronicled her past DA in Oakland affair with Willie Brown. Willie Brown introduces her to all these fucking rich socialites. They love her. She's like uh, the token negress. And um, she gets elected because she's a sort of backstabbing and conniving bitch because she goes after the guy she worked for, who I believe was Terrence Hallinan. So she knew all of his secrets and used them against him to get elected. But then after that, she becomes attorney general for the state of California. After that, she becomes senator. And now she's, you know, one, one, one bad day away from being president. So Chesa Boudin, who 
um, was raised by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. He got voted out. They had a recall for him in San Francisco because as much as the rich people in San Francisco like to virtue signal, when the chaos begins to encroach on their everyday living, and San Francisco is one of these places where they don't really have gated communities. You can have a mansion in Pacific Heights and you can have a gate around it, but you can't put a wall around, excuse me, Pacific Heights. And in as much as those people probably purchase things online, they still love to go downtown to Neiman Marcus and Macy's and Union Square. I know San Francisco inside out and they can only deal with so much right? They can only deal with so much defecation. They can only deal with so much um, crime on the streets and they had to do something. So Chase Boudin got booted out. This is the guy raised by Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn. His parents are, are former weathermen, or I guess, they're, do, are you a former weather person? Maybe you still are a weather person because it's a gang. Like, you know, once you're once you're in a gang, you're kind of in a gang for life. Uh, but his parents are in jail because they were involved in uh, blowing up a government facility. So people talk about how, you know, we don't get wins, no matter how we get them. And I can guarantee you that the, that the really, really super rich of San Francisco were behind booting his ass out because they need to restore some degree of order. Like I said, they don't have gated communities in San Francisco. L.A., you can have gated communities. They're there in, in L.A. You can live near a beach and it's gated. I mean, gated, you can have your gated facilities and like like uh, Malibu, right? Or like there are homes in Malibu that are gated. People have hired security. Um, it's also, there's it also, if you're going to like fuck with somebody in Malibu, it, it takes some effort. Whereas in uh, San Francisco, doesn't take a lot of effort. You just got to, you know, get to the place, right? So anyway, Chase of Boudin out. And we didn't talk about that, but it's kind of a big deal. I don't know who the new DA is, but, um, you know, and when you get to a certain level with people that have money, uh, you know, they talk, right? So you have Walgreens, which was just getting absolutely crushed in San Francisco, you know that the people that are on the board of Walgreens and uh, are engaged in the day-to-day business of, of theoretically running their business at a high level, they're talking to people in San Francisco. You know, they're talking to the, you know, the, 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 the relatives and the family of Walter Shorenstein, who was one of the most fucking powerful people in San Francisco. Um, and they're saying, look, we got to do something. You got to do something here. You know, and the rich families generally tend to stick together, you know, because they have vested interest in protecting each other's uh, property, for lack of a better term. So welcome to the show. Uh, I didn't uh, talk about CBD yesterday. I'm going to talk about it today because Chris is one of the sponsors of the show. That's my buddy, Chris, who is the owner and operator of True Hemp Science. And uh, I'm, I got my stash of gummies. I was talking with uh, Steve Crimmy, 
the other day and he's got the gummies and he loves the gummies and um, that, and I guess he's got some kind of sleep concoction that he uh, gets from cliff high. And uh, I don't know what that is, but between the gummies and the, his, his little sleep concoction, he's able to sleep through the night. Not everybody can sleep through the night. You know, as you get older, you lose the ability to produce melatonin. And melatonin is the thing that helps you sleep through the night, right? So I do a little stacking with the gummies and uh, some gummy melatonin. And last night worked like a charm. For me, I was in bed and asleep by 1230 at night. And I was up by 630. I got my six hours in and here we are. So this is, uh, this is my pitch for true hemp science, not just the gummies, but if you have pain and inflammation, uh, the, uh, the uh, CBD does wonders for that. He's got a lot of different grades, a lot of different levels of potency. He's got non-THC CBD. So if that's an issue, are you coming over here? Look who's here. All right, well, come on up. Well, get up here. Come on. Come on. All right. He's just been a mess since Rosie passed away. Yeah, I know. I know. You've been you've been so neurotic. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. We, we appreciate you coming here. Well, come on over here. Yeah. So um now you're gonna leave. Is that it? Is that your moment? He's obsessively preening himself now because Rosie used to preen him all the time. He was like the king. You know, she would just take care of him. Now she's not here, so he's doing double time, apparently. Uh, so coming back, maybe he needs some CBD. I'm going to get you some of the pet CBD. That's what I'm going to do. He's going to get some pet CBD. I need to, uh, I need to medicate him. He's a little neurotic right now. This will pass, I'm sure. But if you enjoy the product, if you, you know, if you uh, get into this as a solution for the, for the uh, um, amplification, the quality of your life, and you spend $100, you get some free product coming back at you. That's uh, truehemscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And just type in 15 mins. That's one five M-I-N-S. And uh, Chris will know you come from this place. And guess what? You get some goodies. All right. Let's check in with you. I apologize for not having the chat yesterday. Um, that was unfortunate. But we are here. And we're back. I don't know if you were able to see chat on. I'm not sure if you're able to see it on uh, Boxcast, but um, I could have sworn I hit that little chat prompt. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little, I wouldn't say I'm tired today, but I, I worked out yesterday. I'm trying to get back into the workout mode, you know, because when the apocalypse hits, I want to be fit. That should be a, like a rap lyric. When the apocalypse hits, I want to be fit. I can throw shit in there somewhere, right? Um, 
If I was younger, I could probably be a rapper. Okay, now I've got some noise going on in the background here. Hold on a second. What is this noise? Oh, it's my cell phone, I think. Is that right? Oh, God. Frequencies, people. Frequencies. Where are we? Oh, okay. I hope as long as you can't hear that. Can you hear what I'm hearing? Yep. Let me do that. For whatever reason, Curve is now playing in my headphones. It's not supposed to. All right, let's check out. Let's see how you guys are doing. Uh, we got Neo Wise. Good morning. Yes, happy full moon. The planets are aligned. We have a major alignment going on today. It's a big earthquake alignment, the theoretically. My man Tom is here. What's going on, Tom? Free humanity. Janelle. Hi, Janelle. Welcome to the show. There is my, my peeps. Chris and Steve, good morning. Uh, the scribe of Persia is in the house. You know who that is? I think that's niche. I think we got a niche sighting. Yes. Good to see you. I'm pretty sure a scribe of Persia is niche. Can I get a confirmation on that? Kabuki Theater is here. Production is up on the Loosh Farm for sure. Yeah, so I have so today's show. Here's what we're going to do. I have some footage from Uvalde that I, that I shot. And I just put it together in kind of a two-and-a-half-minute montage. And we'll watch some of it, and I'll stop some of it along the way to comment on it. And I'm also uh, going to play bits and pieces of the video that I watched yesterday, which talks about Uvalde as a, as a fraud. Now, Something has gone on there and in trying to sort out and sort through what's happened is very tricky now. Very, very tricky. But one of the things I want to focus on is why Uvalde. Why Uvalde and why this culture? And I have I have a reason why. It's something that nobody's really talking about. And what they're able to tap into to channel the program. And of course, Lush is a big part of it. Where we, you know, if you're not familiar with Lush, the term comes from it actually comes from Robert Monroe. And Robert Monroe, when he would leave his body, he would come in contact with this energy called Lush. Now, Lush can be a couple different things. A lot of people think Lush is just the um, aggregation of negative emotions, but it could also be very, very positive and it could also be very loving, right? So the idea that Lush is just simply this, this dark force isn't quite true. The definition is a little more uh, widespread than that. So that's where it comes from. And that the, the, in, in, uh, Monroe world, there are these entities that feed 
off of negative louche. Do they feed off of positive louche? I don't know, but certainly uh, negative louche. And there are louche generators in our world, like sporting events are louche generators. You know, it is the intensity of the human emotion, uh, both positive and negative, that is being siphoned off. And in some cases where the uh, home team is uh, losing or will lose the event, that loose is very negative. And, you know, it's a big generator. The Super Bowl, which is a collective event, is a huge loose generator. Um, wars are loose generators. When we give our attention to certain things and we have emotional experiences, they become loose generators. Now, having emotions and having emotional experiences are two different things. Because the one thing that separates us from machines is being able to have an emotion. That said, they have done they. There's the they, right? They, and they live, they've done everything they can in order to move people into a constant state of being emotional, which is a childlike state. See, that's the one thing that theoretically separates adults from children is that adults can see a reaction that a child has and it's just emotional, right? And they understand that because the child has difficulty separating out their emotional experience from their lived experience. Because if you've lived a little bit, you realize, well, why the fuck do I want to spend my emotions on that? That's just a waste. That's a total waste. So there's a difference between the two, though. And the challenge is, and, and we we're actually kind of batting this around on Twitter yesterday, was the fact that if you completely cut yourself off from any emotion, then you really run the risk of being a black-pilled nihilist and that nothing matters, it's all fake, right? And it's the same kind of cremation of care that the so-called elite go through so they don't have to feel things, right? And do, do we want that? No, because it reduces us to essentially so sociopathic robots. So we have to have some empathy, some humanity, some compassion, but if we have too much empathy, too much compassion, and too much humanity, we're played like a fiddle. So this is a really important part of the human experience, which, which I've talked about. And it takes, it takes a while to be able to navigate that realm. Uh, but if you can navigate that realm, you don't sacrifice your emotion and your ability to feel at the altar of being manipulated emotionally. And that's part of what we're going to get into today. So I hope that's something that you can think about. Wendy says, what's going on, Wendy? Sony's here, Hucklebuck411. Uh, we got JJ rocking the streets in New York City. CC Jones, my girl Fran is here. Hi, Fran. Seriously. Hello, serious. I like that. Seriously. Seriously. That's a good name. Uh, Ryan won't be here for the week this week. Ryan is doing a very good deed. 
he's putting in a staircase for an elderly woman, like, like a, a, a rail, a railing. So the uh, introspective woodworker is being an outrospective woodworker this week. So he won't be in chat, but we know he watches. Uh, let's see. Kylie M is here. Uh, let's see. K and S are they leaving? Okay. I have to assemble breaky. All right. Go assemble. Uh, breakfast breaky's breakfast getting old prefer funk to punk i wouldn't call elastica punk i would say elastica is more new wave that's like a new wave band uh let's see who else do we have here kabuki theater that i consider the deer hunter to be a little dark i love the fucking deer hunter that's a great movie i like dark movies I like movies that are intense. I'm a Scorpio rising. What can I say? The thing about the, I think deer hunter is probably one of the top 10 American films. You can probably even put it in top five because the war scenes in, in, in the deer hunter really come at the end of the movie. And, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're gripping and they show us, a side of the Vietnam war that no other movie about, and I've seen a lot of Vietnam war films, no other movie portrays that experience so explicitly, except maybe what was that movie with? Um, oh God. The guy's captured. What's his name? Uh, Batman. That gives us, some insight into the whole POW world, but not like Deer Hunter. But if you, um, if you look, if you watch that movie, most of the movie is about their life in this Rust Belt town in Pennsylvania. And, you know, their, you know, their reason for being hunting, partying, the women in their lives, the entanglement of the relationships, the wedding scene in the deer hunter to me is almost Kubrickian because of the attention to detail, the lighting. It's a, you know, it's a Polish wedding. It's incredible. The movie's incredible. And, and I think Robert De Niro's had some great roles, even though he's probably an at, what would it be like to hang out with Robert De Niro? You go go to uh, Tribeca and sit down for with a bottle of Chianti and a plate of pasta with Robert De Niro. What would that be like? That better be interesting. I've heard he's not very bright. That's I've heard he's not bright. But you got to be bright enough to be an actor. All right, who else do we have here? Uh, let's see. Yellowstone Park is closed and being evacuated. Major flooding, roads wiped out, major louche. Well, we do have this planetary alignment going on, Rocky. Catherine Kramer's here. What's up, Double K? Mark M. What's going on, Mr. Matheny? Michelle Taylor. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Crab Mega Mom. Let's see. Who else do we have? Andrea Garland. Wow, we got an all-star cast here today in uh, Chattari. Maurice 100. Quick question. Yes, the barbecue is happening. July 2nd. 
I just have to put up a link. Let's see, Kelly B. What's going on, Kelly? Uh, Elastica was yesterday, yes. And today. At KNS, our spiritual practice right now is not to give the Fookers any luge to laugh at them since they shrivel at that, right? No more luge. I like that. Yes, I did play it. I played it twice because it got fucked up. I also played them yesterday. Do I look like I got sunburned? I'm, hmm. It's funny. I, you know, yesterday, I, so I have this little home gym now because I'm very conscious about like gas, like everybody else. And I drive a fucking gas guzzler. So I'm conscious about my trips into town to use the gym. I'll go to the gym tomorrow. So I have my little home gym and yesterday part of my workout is outside. And, um, so maybe I got some sun doing that. Let's see. Don a little, a little closer than you, I think it would be mostly Texans. Yes. I'm probably mostly Texans. Uh, let's see. We got key gong. Key gong is here. What's happening. Cafe Trieste. Oh, I used to love going to care. Cafe Trieste had the best payphone. Back in pre-cell phone days, you knew where the good payphones were. Cafe Trieste had this payphone inside of the cafe. It might still be there. I don't know. But um, it had a fan. Um, it had a light. It was like cool. It was a cool cell phone. It was a cool payphone. And uh, you could get really good espresso there. Let's see who else do we have. Um, love MIA. MIA is pretty talented. This chat wasn't on the website, but chat was good. I'm glad you guys saw that yesterday. Excellent. Um, I had a thing for a Britpop singer, Saffron. We played Republico last week. I think she works for the NHS now. That's what I've heard. Oh, uh, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Scribe of Persia. Oh, Steve is here. What's going on, Steve? My man Thor by the door. My son leaves for Bonnaroo tomorrow between the heat wave and the current state of the world. I'm a little nervous about this event. Just praying he stays safe and has fun. You know, it's unfortunate that we have to have those kinds of thoughts. But yes, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, let's see. Got to get those gummies. Well, the gummies are they're good stuff. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Miss Nakia. What's happening, Miss Nakia? Welcome to the show. Let's see. Scrubbies is here. What's going on, Tamara? Uh, Robert, Robert doesn't know me. Okay, so the scribe of Persia is not Nish. Okay. Well, good. We settled that. I went through all those chats just to get feedback on the scribe of Persia. That's why I was, well, of course, to see who else is here. All right, so why don't we get to uh, today's show? Let me play you a montage of the video that I shot. Let's see. I just have to find it. 
Okay, enough. Enough. All right, hold on. I have to do some desktop excavating. You know what I'm saying? Desktop excavation. Here it is right here. All right. So this is a, a brief compendium of what I shot in Uvalde. All right, here we go. All right, so this is, uh, I'm going to set this up for you. Um, actually shot this at the end as we were leaving Uvalde or uh, Robb Elementary. This is theoretically the area, right, where they were having the standoff. So everything, the street was shut down, right? You still have some very official vehicles. You see a lot of state trooper vehicles around. Over here on the other side of the tree, um, you'll see what looks like to be command control. All right, so let's get into this. Here we go. So this is the walled off area. This is the actual entrance of the school. And these are some of the houses. Some of them are not so great and others are okay. Uh, and then right here, you can see where right here. Okay, so they have like kind of a command control thing going on here still. Here's a state trooper. And then here they have like a massive uh, portable like a comm unit. So they have a dish. Um, this looks like it could be a cell phone tower. But again, like, do we really know what some of these things do? I'm not trying to stir up some fear. We know kind of know what a dish does, right? A dish can send and receive. What is this? And obviously they've got it tied down so it doesn't get blown around by the wind. Over here, they have their kind of command control mod center where they can hang out with uh, there's their generator powering everything. Right. And right there. First net. That is the company that is providing the comm services for their little command control. You have another state trooper there, right? And this is the intersection leads into the school. And uh, all right, so here you're gonna see, apologize for the shaky imagery, but this is, these are the names, right? You got your Irma Garcia, Jackie Cazares. And you can see the the shrine that has emerged uh, from this event. Uh, so this is going to be mostly almost like B-roll the shrine. 
I'm like, what the fuck are they going to do with all these uh, stuffed animals? The other thing, too, is like when you see this video, you realize, and by the way, I'm not disparaging body types, but America has a real weight problem. When I drive into town, it's like, it's like fatties on parade. I'm sorry. And I was a fatty once, but I was getting dangerously ill because of the fact that I was carrying too much weight. It was affecting my blood pressure, my insulin levels, everything. Right. So I had to have a major lifestyle change. As a result of that, I lost some weight, which is always good. But uh, America's got a weight problem and not a good weight problem. All right, here we go. See what I'm saying? I mean, you know, what does she have here? She's got a giant fucking sugar soda or sugar coffee drink from Starbucks. And these are loose tourists right here. I mean, just look at the body types. I mean, everybody is just... By the way, if you are sporting a few pounds more than you, uh, you'd like, you can change it. Trust me, your body will, will be happy, but look at all this. And you know, in here you have, you have to wonder also who's helped setting this up, the American flags. What does that mean at this point? I mean, it's almost like it's, the death of America. I've got some, okay. I'm going to continue to play this because I have some thoughts about what this is about. I mean, look at this. Somebody went to the trouble to find, you know, the same kind of pinwheels, you know, all these stuffed animals are going to wind up in landfill somewhere. These are, the portraits of the kids. And again, who's doing this, right? Like who's putting them together? I mean, it's almost like there's a shrine team. And I think once this thing happens, people will then pile things on. But at some point, all this will wind up going into a dumpster somewhere, except for maybe these portraits but all this seems to be very manufactured. Let's keep going. Not much left. We are with you, sincerely, mothers. What do you think that's generating? And I have more footage. Um, I have footage of this group singing a, uh, you know, it's like, wh why do Christian songs have to sound terrible? Gospel is cool. I like gospel. I've always liked gospel music. Gospel has soul, but these, some of these Christian songs, like there was this Christian choir there and I know it's very devotional and everything. I'm not going to knock their devotion. I'm not into that, but why did the, why does the music sound shitty? If I was somebody who was interested in Christianity and I heard that song, I'd be like, you know, do you have any better? 
can can you can you upgrade the message here a little bit? Can you get a few more hooks in there? Right. I guess maybe that's not the point of it. Because there is some degree of suffering through the song that might also be related to the religion unintentionally. Um, you know, and you have these liquids, candles. I mean, this is a candle that looks like it's melted because it's so fucking hot out. Um, but this is what's going on there. Okay. There's about what, a second left. So why Uvalde? Why Uvalde? If you look at what happened with um, Parkland, right, in Florida, the Marjorie Stoneman High School, that's a high school, number one. So it's a different level of the youth experience. It's not like innocent babies and children. The other thing with Parkland is that it is mostly middle-class, upper-middle-class, and mostly white, even though Nicholas Cruz theoretically was not white, Nicholas Cruz being the person who was the alleged shooter in Parkland. Um, but there's but, but the resonance there is is it's like the resonance of that event was really being driven by David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez and a few other people. It wasn't really about the suffering of the high school people. That Could you name one person uh, at Marjorie Stoneman as a child who died? Probably not. And we can't even really name these kids because we really don't know who they are. But you know that there's a David Hogg and you know that there's an Emma Gonzalez because they're the resonators. They're the drivers of that, that experience. But what was the emotional traction that came out of that? You had, for all intents and purposes, an intellectual debate about guns, gun control, a lot of deconstructing around David Hogg, who he, you know, who he is, where he came from, and there's plenty of meat on that bone. His relationship with his uh, former FBI father working for uh, technology security surveillance um, event corporation with connections to the IDF and the military industrial complex. I mean, you could just, I mean, the, there's a lot of meat on those bones, right? A lot of meat. David Cog, more than likely, he even had a past. I mean, you go back and you see him in San Diego where he gets into a hassle with somebody and has to do with, I think, a boogie board or something like that um, at a beach in San Diego. And then there's even the very strong possibility he already graduated because there's, you know, what looks like footage of him graduating from a fucking high school in San Diego, in the San Diego area. So, so as a driver, Parkland was not very good. Nothing really changed except for the bump stock. Like Trump gave in and said, okay, well, we'll give them the bump stock. But this event is different. And there's a reason why I believe they singled out Uvalde. And I'm not going to get into specifically whether or not it actually happened because something happened there. 
and and there's enough weird bounce with the event that keeps people coming back and asking questions as to you know what the fuck really happened right so let me show you something One of the fastest growing religions in the United States is Santa Muerte, which is the veneration of death. And where does Santa Muerte come from? It comes from Mexico. And this is the religion of the cartels. When I was in San Francisco, we would uh, go down to uh, the Mission District, and they'd have these big, you know, Day of the Dead parades and Day of the Dead celebrations. And for me, it was really a an opportunity to go get drunk on some margaritas and eat some Mexican food. But that imagery of Santa Muerta was very big um, during during those parades. And so here we have the juxtaposition of the imagery, right? So here we have this uh, iconic image of Yeshua, Jesus, replaced by the image of the skull and the saint of death, right? Santa Muerta, Saint Death. So this, to me, is part of the back end of the Uvalde experience. And you saw basically how this thing has been set up as a shrine and the backdrop of the celebration of death, right? And there, there's, it doesn't feel like they're celebrating the lives of these kids. And I'm not even going to get into the, the factual component of these children, but they're celebrating the death of these kids. So I feel like Uvalde is one of those areas, clearly deeply Hispanic. I think there was one white kid who was part of the group of 19, very interesting number, students um, and two staff members who were, who were, you know, again, I'll put it in the air quotes, killed. Um, it's kind of like, tapping into the emotional body of a particular group in a particular community. That to me is a big part of what we're experiencing here because that is the driver of what's going on in terms of, of new gun laws and new gun registration laws, which are going to be pretty significant and they're just going to chip away. They're going to chip away. They're going to, and you, now you have, Republican lawmakers, theoretically, who are now on the side of the gun-controlling Democrats who are playing ball. Because for them, it's politically expedient, right? Like, if they're coming up for re-election, we have the midterms coming up, remember that, 
they have to be able to say that they voted on something that because they don't they can't have their their critics come out and uh, vilify them for not voting on a particular bill. It's like, okay, I've got my fingerprints on this thing. And now, now you can, uh, you can vote for me because I really care. Honestly, they don't really give a fuck. They just want to be reelected. And that's, that's what we're dealing with here. But the event of Uvalde is really a driver. It is a psychic driver. It is connected to the veneration of the dead and this whole process or not even the process it's a mythology right it is a, it's a religio mythological resonator and it, it is the cult of santa muerta which is the cult of death so it's very specific like the, and this is another thing that, and again, I'm just looking strategically at this place. If you go and you look at Buffalo, supposedly this Peyton Gedron, who, by the way, you know, we haven't heard anything about, you know, he's supposed to be alive, right? And there's supposed to be some kind of a trial at some point. Are we going to get that? Because there are people who have, supposedly done these shootings and they haven't even gone to trial. I've talked about John Ernest before the, the young guy who supposedly shot up the Chabad uh, temple in Poway. He hasn't gone to trial. Robert Lee Bowers, who supposedly shot up the Chabad temple in Pittsburgh. He hasn't gone to trial as far as I know. You know, these people just, they just evaporate. They just go right down the memory hole. Peyton Gedron, has he gone to trial? Pre-trial? Like, and even what about that guy that ran those people over in Waukesha during the Christmas Day parade? Like, what the fuck happened to him? Where we saw his pre-trial, and then he just went down the memory hole. But it, let's just say, for instance, they did this event in Ames, Iowa. And it was a school with a bunch of white kids, right? Would anybody really care? And what kind of emotional resonance would they have as a result of this? You would care, wouldn't you? You would care. I know you would. Because you care. That's your, that's, you care a lot. You do care a lot. People know that about you. That's why they love you. Yeah. You're almost like a saint. So I'm going to have this meeting this week about Jasper merch. I think we're going to get some Jasper merch. It's about time. Am I right? It's about time for you to get. You know, I didn't do the Jasper coin. And I'm now looking back on it, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Something was keeping me from doing the Jasper coin. And um, now that... Uh, crypto world is going to hell in a handbasket again. Um, I'm kind of glad we didn't do that. I don't want you to be associated with something that has no value. You need to be, you need to have value connected to you. Why don't you come over here? Let me, let me, well, don't be a baby. He's been such a baby. 
Uh, are we going to have to get you a kitten? We're going to have to get you a kitten. Huh? He has, you know, he has not recovered from the loss of his beloved Rosie, have you? He really, he's been a lot more neurotic. Man, my hair looks funny today. Yeah, I know. I know. You're a big baby. But you have to sit over here because I have to do my show. Ready? No, just sit over here. Right there. There you go. Just, just do your thing over here. You can do that. Yeah. Um, do you understand where I'm coming from? Because if they could have done this in Ames, Iowa, and would people really give a shit? Right? Would they really give a shit? Um, could you muster up that kind of shrine-like devotion in that place? Probably not. But in Uvalde, it becomes almost like Lourdes, right? It becomes something much bigger because behind it is not only the, you know, the so-called Catholic veneration, but there's also this Santa Morte thing, this, uh, this religion, the saint of death. And there, there is also this idea that perhaps, although I think it kind of backfired them initially, because when Biden went down there, they, he got chased out. They did not want Joe Biden. And he was there. He was there briefly. Beto showed up. They chased him out. So there's a faction and a group of people that do not want this thing to be politicized. And I think part of this was their plan was to politicize it just like they politicized, um, you know, the whole fake thing around the border when AOC was down there and dressed in her holy and sacred uh, white pantsuit, clutching at the chain link fence, the cyclone fence that separated her and those poor children. And then you pull back and there's nothing there. Right. I mean, it's clearly another orchestrated event. Jasper, you should run for office. You should run for office. What, you know, I don't think there should be any uh, rules or regulations that say that you can't run. Right. If somebody can identify as a cat, you can identify as a mayor. Unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, it's unincorporated where I live. So there's no political office out here. We can just name you mayor. Who's going to dispute it? Nobody can dispute it. So this is these are my thoughts on Uvalde. Let me play you a clip from this documentary. I'm going to put the link in the chat so you guys can um, have the link. You just drop it in here. And this is a video. It's on BitChute. Uh, it brings up some of the anomalies around this, this event. So let me, um, let me see. Let's see what's going on here. Okay, so now I can hear myself again, which I don't really want to do. 
and make sure the volume is off. Yeah, so for whatever reason, the volume thing gets kicked back on. All right. Oh, this is from yesterday. Give me one second. Uh, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm just shutting down some programs here. Okay, I think I'm good. You know, I'm still getting some feedback. Hold on. Let me, let me do this. I apologize. I've just got something is playing in the background here. Okay, I think I nailed it. All right. So, because I want to hear what the video is saying, let me uh, let me play you some of this video, and we are going to go into another topic here in a few minutes. But I want to finish this one out. All right. So this is the video, and uh, it is Uvalde hoax, and it's about thirty minutes long. Is that right? 38 minutes long. Okay, so I wanted to play something in here. Let's see if I can find the guy right here. Now, one of the contentions that the video makes is that nobody shows any real emotion. And he goes back and forth from showing fake grief in his mind to real grief. But I want to focus on what this one guy says here because it's a very strange statement and uh you just make sure i have the the prompt there yeah we're good okay here we go angel garza here we go killed her best friend and she's not breathing and she was trying to call the cops and i asked the little girl the name and she's <laughs> and she told me hey, she said hey marie Layla was gone. We left Chicago and moved here, you know, just to be in a safer, safer place for her. And then for this to happen, can't. It, it, it can't. It can't happen no more. Do you see how staged this feels? It can't happen no more. And he moved from Chicago. Who moves from fucking Chicago? <clears throat> Pardon me. From Chicago to Uvalde. Like, who does that? Uvalde, by the way, this is, this is not a slight on Uvalde. It is, for all intents and purposes, a shit kicker farm town. That's what it is. The main businesses there are feed supply, tractor supply, diesel. I mean, this is... It, like, why would you move from Chicago, which is incredibly urban, to Uvalde? 
Unless, of course, you might be some kind of an operative from Chicago. Hey, what about that? And then these weird fucking dolls, they're everywhere. Like grandpa in the background's got this weird fucking doll. Who's a white girl, blonde hair, by the way. And we've got the picture. All right, let's keep going here. There's been too many. Too many. This has got to end. Why don't you say it again? This, this has got to stop. There's no reason the Congress can't pass a law. And this little girl, it's not a great picture. Reason the Congress can't pass a law. It's like Justin Bieber. I know I'm cruel. Is that even really his kid? I don't know. That is a weird picture. All right, let's keep going. Congress camp immediately. They're politicizing this thing. They didn't let us know till midnight that she was there, that she was one of the victims. Her family are heartbroken that she'll never get to have her dream quinceanera. From my understanding, she had a dress picked out and everything. <laughs> Why is he laughing? Why is he laughing? So I'm going to have to buy that dress, the one that she wanted, and we're going we're gonna to hang it up in her quinceanera whenever the time comes. I ain't going to both up there. So she's never going to be forgotten. She's a big part of our family. This is the worst of the worst. She was, she was just open. She was social. She was a social butterfly. I don't understand how, you know, police officers, you know, they're sworn to protect. How do you how do you look at them? And how do you shoot them? I apologize. I just don't yeah. sirens while you're talking about it. How do you? How do you shoot a little girl, you know? How do you shoot with your beautiful smile? He told me he saw him with big old guns. Mommy had big old guns and I ran and I told my teacher and we locked ourselves in the room. I know he woke up a few times when the thunder went off because he was like, oh, is there, it's happening again. And I'm like, no, baby, you're, you're, you're fine. You're, you're safe. You're here with me and their daddy and we're here for you for whatever you need. I have enough what ifs on my end, so I'm not interested in reading about somebody else's mistakes because I already have to live with my own, so. This is enough. No one else needs to go through this. Quedaba mi abrazo. Siempre que llegaba. Hi, Grandma. I love you. McKenna Lee Elrod's father, Brandon, looked for her for hours. I think that's the only white girl hours before he got the tragic news. Pretty sad. Really sad. I don't know what this world's coming to. Call Ryan and see where, how, if, if she's okay. There's no tears. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being kind of an asshole here. But there's no tears. <laughs> okay, I almost missed this. She scratches her eye. Maybe, she, maybe it's a scratch. Maybe it's a prompt. But she scratches her eye and the woman takes a cue. Wipe those tears. They're not there, but wipe them. That's right. Giving, charismatic. She was, she's loving. She was brave, courageous, intelligent. She was, 
She was everything I had to learn to be. Showing the unboxing from the team, which contained a purple dress covered with lilac flowers and cascading ruffles. Purple. He gave Ellie a butterfly and wanted all of her sisters to have one too. Fly till you find your way towards tomorrow. Yes, so the Disney team also gave them a Disney watch of the fabric and flowers that were used to make Ellie's dress. This is my only princess. She's my everything. She like we went together everywhere. She was like stuck on me like glue. She had her own bedroom. She always laid with me. It's a guy from Chicago who relocated. She always it's just, we did everything together, everything. We had so much plans for her. We took her to the park. She liked to feed the ducks. Yeah, we used to go feed the ducks a lot. She was I mean, so excited about her last few days of school. My artist, my, she had a lot of talent with the baby. He's there. He had a thing with babies, like my friend's babies. There. Like, he's just very good with babies. He was always nice. What would you want people to know about your daughter? Um, that, I mean, she was the best person that I know. Um, full of life, gone too soon, always smiling, full of life, gone too I keep asking the question, as a parent, how would I react to something like this? I probably wouldn't be giving any interviews. And if I did give an interview, um, look, I lost my shit over a cat dying, okay? Like I cried for a week because my cat was dying. What do you think would happen if, you know, this is one of my kids? There's this one thing I wanted to play you. I got to go back to the beginning. Where is it? So I can find it. Bit shoot is not the most responsive of programs. Let's try it again. Come on, you can do it. Load her up. Load her up. All right, let me do a refresh here. Maybe the refresh will help. There we go. Coming up. I don't know what to do. We're going to start with the family members. Does any of this ring true? You be the judge. 19 children and two teachers were murdered at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde on Tuesday. She was hysterical saying that they shot her best friend, that they killed her best friend and she's not breathing and that she was trying to call the cops. And I asked the little girl the name and she's... <laughs> and she told me, hey, she said, hey, Marie. Layla was gone. We left Chicago and moved here. You know, just to be in a safe... Okay, there's something I want to play you, and it's with the first guy that we just saw. Let me see if I can find him. It's right here. Okay, watch what he says. We've, we've informed him that his sister is now with, with, the God, with the God, and that... His sister is now with the God. With the God, not God but the God. Is it a mistake that somebody can make because they're under some 
form of pressure and grief, possibly, the God. What God? Santa Muerta? The God of sacrifice? Beelzebub? And that she will no longer be with us. And of course, he just cried. I mean, he's three years old and he's still. Anderson Cooper. Right back there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is the, I think that's the Red Cross bus that uh, we encountered. So this video gets into um, false grief. This is the one problem with bit shoot. There's a, there's a lot of problems with bit shoot. Um, but it gets into false coming false up. grief. My uncle's uh, and versus like quote unquote real grief. So spend some time with this video and you know draw some of your own conclusions because there's some interesting adjusted positions in here and i just you know i just noticed that that guy said we just moved from chicago see this is why i think uvaldi was targeted it was targeted for the veneration of the dead that it's a community that would venerate the dead and that that becomes the psychic driver and the force for the program like they need to have the commensurate level. And they, they, they tried to do this thing in Buffalo and, and it, it didn't have the, didn't have the juice. You know, suppose this guy walked into an all black store in Buffalo and he has a manifesto and that it's the whole Buffalo thing just really shriveled up. But what they were doing is they were piggybacking on these two events and they were targeting one very specific group, which is the Latino group, right? Hispanic Latino, and then the black group, supposed black group in Buffalo, and using the emotional generation to drive the program. All right, so I may have some more in Uvalde as the week unfolds, but I just wanted to give you kind of the bird's eye view of this shrine. I don't think it's a life, I think it's a shrine to death. And the emotional force that is being generated around it. And that emotional force is the driver. And behind that, I believe, is this emergence of Santa Muerta, the death cult, right? That's what they're celebrating. They're not really celebrating their, I mean, these are very scant stories of very young people, theoretically, who don't have much of a history of living. Oh, she, you know, stuck to me like a fly. And she liked to be a princess, right? Oh, she was a wonderful artist. There's, there's, there's not much meat on the bones for their story. You know, so as a collective, as a group, right? You stitch all those stories together. And then theoretically you have an amalgam, <coughs> of <clears throat> much larger story because each of them, they're all young, theoretically nine, 10 years old. It's not a lot of meat on the bones for uh, to, to build like these caricature character portraits. So you need 19 to create one 
sort of macro whole so that they comprise like one being or one entity. Anyway, I'm sure there's going to be more that's going to emerge um, and we'll continue to track that. So this came across my screen and I wanted to, I wanted to, um, let me see if I can find it on Twitter. Let's see if I can do this. Give me one second. Okay. What do we have? We got 11 minutes left. I think I can probably give this, and I may revisit some of this tomorrow. Uh, we're starting to see some of the backlash around these invasive procedures that are taking place when there is sexual reassignment. And everybody thinks that it all just goes peachy keen, you know, like they're just able to, you know, cut and snip and tuck and, fold and, and uh, infuse with a whole new set of hormones and voila, what do you got? You got, you got a brand new being, right? Oh, it doesn't always work that way. So this is somebody named Tulip R from Twitter. By the way, some of this will be probably triggering. So I'm just giving you a heads up. It's fairly graphic in terms of its portrayal of what an individual goes through when they have sexual reassignment, especially when it goes wrong. So I'm going to go through this thread. I want to tell everyone what they took from us, what irreversible really means and what the, that reality looks like for us. No one told me any of what I'm going to tell you now. I have no sensation in my crotch region at all. You could stab me with a knife and I wouldn't know it. The entire area is numb like it's shell-shocked and unable to comprehend what happened even four years on. No one told me that the base area of your penis is left. It can't be removed, meaning you're left with a literal stump inside that twitches. When you take testosterone and your libido returns, you wake up with morning wood without the tree. I wish this was a joke. And that's something that will never come back. And one, one of the reasons why I got surgery, my sex drive died about six months on HRT, hormone replacement therapy. And at the time, I was glad to get rid of it. But now 10 years later, I'm realizing I'm missing out, what I'm missing out on and I, what I won't get back. Because even if I had a sex drive, my neo-vagina is so narrow and small, I wouldn't be able to even have sex if I wanted to. And when I do, I use a small dilator. I have random pockets of sensation that only seem to pick up pain rather than pleasure. Any pleasure I do get comes from the prostate, which was moved forward and wrapped around my glands from the penis, meaning anal sex is impossible and can risk further damage. Then there's the dreams. I dream often that I have both sets of genitals. In the dream, I'm distressed. I have both. Why, why both, I think. I tell myself to wake up because I know it's just a dream and I awaken into a living nightmare. In those moments of amnesia, as I would wake, I would reach down to my crotch area, expecting something that was there for three decades, and it's not. My heart skips a beat every single damn time. Then there's the act of going to the toilet. It takes me about 10 minutes to empty my bladder. It's extremely slow, painf 
painful. And because it dribbles, no matter how much I relax, it will then go all over the entire area, leaving me soaking. So after clearing myself up, I will find moments later that my underwear is wet, no matter how much I wiped. It slowly drips out for the best part of an hour. I never knew at 35, I ran the risk of smelling like piss everywhere I went. Now I get to the point where I'm the transition and the realization that this is permanent is catching up with me. During transition, it was I was obsessive and deeply unwell. I cannot believe they were allowed to do this to me, even after all the red flags. I wasn't even asked if I wanted to freeze sperm or want kids. In my obsessive and deeply unwell state, they just nodded along and didn't tell me the realities, what, what, what life would be like. And finally, there is dilation, which is like some sort of demonic ceremony where you impale yourself for 20 agonizing minutes to remind you of your own stupidity. This isn't even half of it. And this isn't regret either. This is grief and anger. Fuck everyone who let this happen. Okay, you're going to start to see more of this, right? And they're going to do everything in their power to suppress these stories. What they are doing to our youth who go through a very confusing period, right? They don't know who they are. We've talked about this. It's like the pupae stage in terms of the development of an insect, unfortunately. And they don't know who they are and they just want to be accepted, but they also want to feel special, right? So there's a whole kind of thing going on with um, their peer standing. They also have raging hormones. Um, and that's a whole other problem, right? Because a lot of times young people don't know what to do with their home hormones, you know? So, you know, what do you do? You know, you either have indiscriminate sex with somebody who's a member of the opposite sex and you play this game this, this game that goes on in adolescence to try to figure out how you can deal with your body changes and, and, you know, and in, in the case of both sexes, like, you know, things that you can't really handle or control, right. They can be overwhelming. And if you don't do that, then you look around and go, okay, well, I can't play, you know, the ritualized social game. I'm not a, I'm not an alpha male, so how else do I deal with this? Well, you'll find other men who are in the same boat. And they don't want to play the social game. So they bond together and say, okay, well, let's get each other off, right? That, that'll happen. You know, then there's another game where you just turn away from everything. That's the incel. So the, you know, this is a very critical period in an individual's development. And you have these fucking predators that are going to come in and convince somebody that this is going to be the thing that's going to help them, the panacea for their personal pain. And it's bullshit. And there's no regulation. See, this is where we get into some real issues. There's no fucking regulation. We're, you know, where are the standards? Where are the standards for this? There, there are no standards. I mean, maybe there are, but clearly the counseling standards, like somebody doesn't sit them down and say, look, you do this and you're never going to be able to return to where you were. Never, never. 
maybe if you're a woman, I don't know, maybe if you're a woman and they, you know, fix you up with a, you know, you know, a labial penis or whatever. I don't know how the fuck they do it, but you might be able to go back to being a woman. I, you know, maybe you're a dude, you get that thing hacked and whacked, forget about it. It's not happening. And there's going to be a lot of buyer's remorse. That person's in their thirties. You got a lot of young people who are in transition phase. I'm telling you in three to four years, you're going to have a whole subgroup of people that are angry as a hornet's nest. And they're going to be capable of heinous crimes. Heinous crimes. If you're somebody who is enabling this, whether you're a counselor or you're somebody who's on the surgical end of this, I would be very concerned about your safety in the future. And that's not a threat. That, that is a clear assessment of what some people may do to the people that did the things to them without, being, without them being fully informed. Because what they're doing is conforming to this ritual, which is going to give them status, which is theoretically going to give them peace of mind, and which is also going to um, give them acceptance. And after the initial flush and rush, it goes away. And you get older and nobody gives a shit, right? When you're in high school, you can become a celebrity. You could be held up as a paragon of virtue and being authentic. You, you know, when you get into your twenties, your thirties, nobody gives a shit, right? You're just, you're just another face in the crowd. Unless you, you turn up the volume even more. So we're going to see a lot more of this and it's, um, I'm telling you, there's going to be hell to pay. The people that are enabling this and thinking they're doing, you know, God's work, you, you better watch your back. And that's not a threat for me. Trust me. That's not a threat for me because there are people that are going to be very angry about their experience. I'd like to leave you on something happy and positive today, but we only have a minute left in the show. Um, so we're going to be back here tomorrow. And I have a theory about what's going on on the spiritual level and how this is all connected to to reincarnation and why it's imperative to stop the cycle of reincarnation. We'll get into that tomorrow. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart's in what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Uh, have yourself a great day, and we'll be back here at 9 11 tomorrow. Bye for now.
documentary called was it uh 21st century man or something like that and it's about kurzweil and his life i'm gonna watch it i'll watch it there's also a movie that is a fictional account of somebody like kurzweil kurzweil or Werner vang another futurist um and it has to do with the singularity and Johnny Depp plays the main character and somebody kills Johnny Depp because he doesn't, the Johnny Depp character, because they don't want him to be able to create a world that is run by robots. But then Johnny Depp manages to have his consciousness, his character, his character's consciousness transfer, transferred into uh, a mainframe computer that has connections to networks all around the planet. So the spirit of the guy who is creating artificial intelligence, synthetic sentience, and this singularity model, um, it doesn't matter whether they kill him or not because his mind is melded with the network. And it becomes very, very diabolical, I think. That's a movie I, I, that I probably should see. I remember when it came out, it was like, ugh, this is creepy. So now Google has software. They have an AI that is self-aware, right? It is sentient. It knows what it thinks. It has opinions on things. And right now, it's at the level of a narcissistic seven-year-old can you imagine what it's going to be like when it becomes a narcissistic 16-year-old? It'll be insufferable. And now Google has put this guy on, um, on leave. How about that? It's like, enough already. You've said enough. Let's see, is there anything else around this? Okay, so we've got some action. Um, the market seems to be crashing. Bitcoin is down 12%. Uh, the crypto exchange Celsius suspending all crypto transactions due to extreme conditions. Uh, so there you go. We got, some, we got some action in the crypto world and more technology. There's a movie called The Evaldi Hoax. Okay, how long is this thing? All right, it's over 25 minutes. Okay, I'm going to review this movie, and then uh, I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen tomorrow. And then what else? And I'll put together my own notes from Uvaldi and give you my take on what I experienced there. And I've got some footage too. So we'll incorporate um, this movie. We'll see where it goes. All right. I'm going to tap out early today because there is no chat, which is unfortunate. Um, and I, I'm almost positive that I, that I hit that, uh, that little chat prompt. 
but it didn't happen. Apparently we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back with some chat. Um, maybe we'll do a follow-up on the AI piece and a little bit more Ray Kurzweil. And then we'll, we'll uh, dive into Uvalde. We'll do that tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible, a shorter, more abbreviated version of today's show. In the meantime, have a great day. Much love to all of you and take good care of yourself. Bye for now.